Hello, and welcome back to Pulliver, a BMX podcast with Chris Doyle. I just got back from the UK, where I was over for Battle of Hastings, and damn, what an event that was. I want to say a big thanks to Mark and Rich Moore and Tom Creasy and James Cox and all the dudes that I worked with at The Source that were uh, really helpful and, and allowed us to do a good live stream, which I did with Scotty Kramer. And uh, we were just doing the commentary over you know, some of the most incredible riding to happen all year. Uh, such a fun event to be associated with and to have any part in. So thank you, thank you, thank you to those guys. Thank you to The Source. And uh, actually, now that I'm talking about it, one of the heroes of the weekend, Mr. Morgan Wade, sat down with me and we recorded a podcast interview. So be sure to look forward to that coming soon. But on to this interview. Today's guest is with Todd Wachowiak. Now, a lot of people requested that I do an interview with Todd, and it's taken me a couple months to break Todd down, to get him to sit down to do an interview. He was super apprehensive about doing this interview. And even after we, we recorded the interview, he called me up and he's like, hey man, you can't, re- you can't release that interview. I-, I don't know if I like it. But I let Todd listen to it beforehand. He said he was into it. And now here we are, we are releasing the Todd Wachowiak interview. For those people out there that don't know, Todd and I started our professional BMX careers at pretty much the exact same time and the exact same place. We got on DK, uh, which was both of our first uh, bike sponsors, at the same exact time. And we became the, (laughs) although I've never said this myself, we became the DK dynamic duo in dirt jumping. And Todd's relationship me and Todd's relationship has always been special to me in that we went through a lot of those early professional BMX experiences together. And I always had uh, a right-hand man or a wingman, whatever you want to call it. Um, Todd and I always traveled together. We roomed together. We went to contests and did trips together. And, and it, was really, uh, it was really special to have a guy like Todd uh, with me through all of that. And... Um, and looking back, it seems like we had that for like 10 years, but really it was only like two or three years until he uh, moved on to a, a different sponsor. And then we started taking different trips and then eventually just seeing each other at contests. But nevertheless, um, Todd, in my opinion, will always fly under the radar as being one of the most naturally gifted bike riders of all time. And we, we talk a lot about this in the interview about how BMX seemed to come so easy to him and like the tricks that he was doing and, and uh, you know, being kind of like a, an underdog as far as like the heavy hitters go. But if you look back at a lot of these contests, it was like uh, Fuzzy Hall, TJ Lavin, Ryan Nyquist, uh, Stephen Murray, Corey Nastasio, and Todd was always in that mix. He was always a threat at every contest to be on the podium. And he definitely won some big high profile contests, beating a lot of those heavy hitters. So I think uh, a lot of people that know, know. They know that Todd you know, was one of the best, but hopefully this gives a little insight into how uh, he looked at his professional career and how he was handling the, that whole thing. 
But uh, again, uh, I'm really, I'm really, really thankful that Todd and I uh, got to sit down and do this and rehash some of those old stories and uh, just have some laughs and have some fun. So I hope you enjoy this. This is Todd Wachowiak. Thanks for being on my podcast. Finally, you're welcome. I'm here. Um, if you don't mind, I want to start this out with a memory uh, that I have. Uh, to, you know, pull people in that you might have short attention spans. Um, the year was 2002, and you and I went out to a party out in IUP, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, for those not familiar. And, you know, we're having a good time. We're at Casey Goodman's apartment. We're hanging out outside, and this dude comes walking by, uh, jocked out, douchebag, frat guy comes walking by. He's been doing some drinking. He's looking for a fight. And he gets in our mix. You know, we're just all hanging out. And I'm sure someone, part of our crew said something. And he gets, sure. he gets in your face. He's got about half a foot on you, maybe 50 pounds, 60 pounds on you. And he starts talking his shit right to your face. And you kicked his ass. I saw it. That's the Todd Wachowiak that I know that I want to introduce people to today. I don't know if he's still here. I've tried to leave those days behind, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that brings back memories. Um, I just feel like that's such, and that's so uncharacteristic of you. But I was there that night, and the dude deserved yeah some sort of beating. But do you remember that night? Those were the brawling days, yeah. Dude, that was. I learned a lot about my friends that night. Because I, I wasn't drinking, I was completely sober, but so that guy got his ass beat by you. He left and he came back with a few of his friends and they all got their asses beat too. Not solely by you, but I remember Poonjab kicked a dude in the face, like punted the guy in the face. And I, I, it was like scary. I was like, oh, I think that guy just broke his entire face. And then Rager pulled up, Adam Rager, pulled up and like knocked a dude out with one punch and that was like the end because I don't think any of that the crew that got in our mix I don't think they'd ever seen someone get knocked out and Rager just walked up boom Loud. oh and he fell back into the into the wall, wall. and just snoring and everyone's like okay okay we're I'm trying to piece that night together because there is a lot of those IUP nights um I remember I was drinking Bacardi Silver at the time that was <laughs> That was the drink of choice at the time, so it only took a couple of those. Okay. Um, but I remember that fight. I remember the brawl. I remember trying to leave. I remember them going back to the house. And Casey was like stuck in the house. Yeah, I guess there was a third visit back to the house, and we all like we all rallied because like they're gonna jump Casey, so we all went back. Gotcha. And I don't think anything happened from there. No. Um, the one dude, the dude did rip your shirt off. It was a red Airwalk shirt. And uh, the following weekend, Billy Kibler went to a frat party. And the guy had the shirt. And at the frat house, they had the shirt. He's like, hey, that's my friend's shirt. And they're like, what? And then they, someone jumped on Billy. Billy got beat up and I don't know, maybe did some beating up of his own. But you know what? Um, thanks for being a part of the podcast. I'm glad. I didn't, I didn't know it was going to start like that. Well, it kind of breaks the ice a little bit. Gotcha. I mean, I, I, do, <laughs> I do have my notes, um, and I do have my first question. 
Okay. Don't don't cheat. I'm not. Um, my first question is: BMX easy? I think to some people, it could be. Is BMX easy for you? I don't want that. I don't want this to come up across the wrong way. Um, I think certain people find it easy to do certain things. Um, I don't think BMX is easy to me more than it is to other people, but I just think when there's things that I want to do, I just find a way to do them. And I don't know, it was never anything I really, I don't know, I never really put much thought into whether it was easy or hard. It's just something we did. Um, that's a very modest answer, and that's, that's kind of the answer I expected. But knowing you now for over 20 years, um, and just seeing not only um, your BMX tendencies, but like your ability to pick things up in other, like, it's like you can look at something, BMX or not, like, right. it doesn't have to be completely related to BMX, but you can look at something, you can break it down, dissect it, and put it into like, a form that you can understand and it's like I can do that like take for example the house we're in right now you're telling me about all the things that you did like uh, all the home improvement projects and I'm I'm just like in awe because I'm like how do you know how to do this you're like oh, I just googled some things and I know I no one was with us for the tour but this place is beautiful and I'm just like you did all this yourself like, yeah yeah just googled YouTube I remember hitting you up um, one week like, what are you doing this weekend? You're like, I'm building a deck. This is years ago. Yeah. I'm building a deck. I'm, I'm like, you know how to build decks? No, I watched some YouTube tutorials and read some books. I think I'm just going to go for it. And then that next week, you put up a, a picture. And it's like this beautiful, elaborate deck. I'm like, you did that just watching YouTube? Like, normal people can't do that. That's why I always wondered, and watching you ride BMX, it looked like exactly that. Like, you could just see something, focus on it. Like, when a really, like, uh, Mario Lemieux, when he was in his prime, he's a hockey player. He said, you know, when he was in his prime, like, he could just see the game and he, it would, like, slow down for him. Like, the puck looked like it was moving slower and he could just slow everything down. I was wondering if it was like that for you, like, with BMX. So I'll have one friend that this will make sense to. His name's Shane. He a, has a beard. He used to own a bike shop. South, South Park, Park Shane. Shane. Okay. I had a conversation with him at one night years five six seven years ago after i'd been done riding and he was asking me the same kind of question and that's how i described it to him and i would be like i don't know what it was but it was like everything was in slow motion like when i was in the air i think it's just because you've done the thing so many times that it just seems to go slower okay um so my analogy but, was right on point then, kind of. I think exactly. And that's okay. A, I don't know if we've ever talked about that, but that's a, I remember a conversation with Shane one night about that, and he was blown away because I think some people can get the riding. I, I'm so I feel like I'm so far off of the riding that it doesn't it doesn't correlate to what I do now. So when you're talking about these things, I'm like I'm putting into houses or nursing or whatever else I'm doing. I don't find any of that stuff hard. I find it if you're prepared. It's just, it is easy. Um, okay. Again, modest answer. <laughs> I, I wrote down here on my notes. I was like, were you like a, a gifted kid? Like, were you, did you have like certain abilities that kid, other kids didn't have? Like, um, 
like in high school, were you like an exceptional student? Um, I never got straight A's, which both my kids actually have always gotten straight A's. They haven't gotten a B. So, but um, I was in the gifted program in middle school, and then they stopped it in high school. So somewhere in middle school, I was. I went to. Okay. Like a, you went to public schools. Um, you went to that school in Oakland, right? That Shenley High School. But wasn't that like a school for gifted kids? No, it was. Uh, so in Pittsburgh public schools, there's uh, magnet programs that you pretty much just have to sign up. Um, you know, if you went to the school in your neighborhood, it was like your, um, I forget what they call it, They're like your feeder school. Like if you live in Carrick, you go to the Carrick High School. But if there's something you're interested in or you want to learn more about something else, you can just apply. Like, hey, I want to go to this other high school, this other middle school, and you just have to get accepted. It's kind of a lottery, but most of the time you get in. Um, so Shenley was a high-tech school where they, you know, they taught us soldering, electronics. It was also uh, Spanish and some foreign languages. Um, but so it did offer a lot more than just the regular public school, but I handpicked that school. Like me and my brother went to two different high schools. All my friends went to another high school, Brashear, just because that's where we lived and they went there. Okay. Okay. So it wasn't specifically a gifted school. It was just that I, I took some gifted classes in that school. Did you go to any college? Uh, a couple different colleges, actually. Um, right out of high school, went to Pitt, which is in Oakland. Um, I took a, I think I only ended up doing a year and a half there for electrical engineering. And that's when BMX was all. Okay. I don't know if we want to get into that. Which, no, I mean, I, that's just, uh, I'm just kind of going through my notes. Yeah. You know, we'll jump around a little bit. I'm sure. Um, okay. Because you're really good at like everything I really want to be good at. Home improvement. Skateboarding, drumming, like it's almost like a beautiful mind type shit. Have you ever seen that movie? Like, yeah, okay. Um, but uh, spending time with you, like, we'll go out into the world doing something. I, we were at X Games in 1998, and we we're getting ready, to, we're like gonna ride our bikes to the store, and you're like, oh, I'll take the skateboard. Remember, we were staying at the Oakley yeah. Beach House. Um, I'm like, oh, you skate? Yeah, I know how to skate. And you were like super good. I was like, wow, Todd's really good at everything. And then when I lived with you, you were like a really good drummer. And you could play like every, what, Green Day song, Metallica song. Yeah, at that time. Pearl okay. Jam. All the, the punk, what was that, alternative rock. Okay. But yeah, it, it started to seem to me like nothing was hard for you. That was just the vibe I got. Yeah, again, I feel like it's more of just preparation like I, I don't put things down and I know one of our other friends Bennett I would say is, is pretty much the same way he's cut from the same cloth yeah it's sure. just that you know when you get into something whether it's what were you guys into the ping pong okay you know ping pong or whatever you like start to do you just can't put it down I'm now learning and not learning but I always make jokes that I just have ADHD and back then no one ever talked about it and I just make jokes about it now, but it's just like if I get focused on something, it's like I'm not happy just like playing it. Like I really want to learn it. Okay. Same goes with the, you brought up the decks. A deck was my first big project. And at that time there was no internet and there was no YouTube. So I bought a book and I read the whole book like, all right, well, what size are you supposed to use? How far they should be spaced? And you realize it's not really that hard. It's just a couple rolls. Okay. Follow the rules, and then deck gets built. Hopefully, you don't. 
I was going to say cut a finger off, but. Right. <laughs> um, well, I guess we can talk about BMX now. Um, Justin Cummings told me a story uh, about you getting into BMX. I don't know if the story's true, but I'm going to put it out there anyways. Go for it. Um, he said that you were a skateboarder and you had a girlfriend that lived near the South Park BMX track. And you would ride your bike over to her house and just hit the track on occasion. And then you got into riding. Is that right? That is 90% correct. Okay. Um, there's actually a long story. Let's do it. We got time. Um, so I was skateboarded maybe. So I, I did the whole baseball, basketball. I actually played basketball. Uh, I was. Can I yeah. say time out right there? Uh, when I stayed with you years ago, there was a picture in your basement of you board sliding a handrail. You were wearing acid wash jeans, um, maybe a jean jacket. Uh, the cut-off fingerless leather gloves, ponytail, hat backwards, mustache. Is that, that, is that right? That's 100%. Okay. I, don't, I, I've told that to people before, and I say it, and I feel like I'm making it up, but I know I'm not making that up. No, it was, it was actually a 50-50 grind. It wasn't a board slide. I'm sorry. But yeah, it was, that was the whole, that's where that pearl jammy, that's where I was going. I had the long hair, kind of red hot chili peppers, Anthony Kiedis parted down the middle, past the shoulders. But you were, you were on that level where you're doing handrails on a skateboard already, before, before getting into BMX. Correct. Okay. Nothing big. I mean, just whatever was in my neighborhood. I never really went that far. But yes, so that was 10 to 12 to 13 years old, something like that. Um, I stopped the baseball. I remember the day. I remember waking up in my bed, and the baseball team was going around the neighborhood, and they were uh, you know, doing some sort of fundraiser. And my dad's like, yo, you know, hey, you got to go. This is, you know, if you're going to play this year, you should be out there. And I just was like, yeah, this is not my year. I'm done. And I never went back. And I think a lot of BMXers or skateboarders or anyone gets away from that team sport. I'm sure that's been talked about a bunch, bunch of times. But I fell right into that. I was just like, you know what? That's not for me anymore. And I skateboarded. We would take trips. And at the time, oh, yeah, I was 13, 12. Parents would let me and my brother go because he skateboarded too. We would just go up to the regular parks. There was like two skate parks in Pittsburgh, uh, cheap skates, hmm. or yeah. shady skates. Whatever one's like right near the wheel mill, it used to be. Okay. Um, and then there was one in North for sales. And we'd take these big trips out there just to skate and ride the ramps, and that was the only place that there was. Um, but that's as far as I could go. Living in Mount Washington, everything was a hill, and on a skateboard it wasn't very you know, easy to get around. So I started dating this girl, met her at this church group, and she lived in South Park. She's like, hey, I have this BMX track like near my house. You guys should all come out. And I'm like, I'll never make it there on a skateboard. It was nine miles from my house. So we organized this group of guys to go. And that's actually where I met a good friend of mine, Ken Zilliot. Mm -hmm. And there was another guy, Brian Wilson. There was a couple of other guys that I all went to middle school with. We organized this trip. We're all gonna ride out to the BMX track it was like the first day of spring, whatever day. But it was, I remember the track being muddy and it was cold. But we organized this trip and our parents just let us go. We were 14. We hopped on. I had a mountain bike at the time. I didn't even have a BMX bike. Show up at the track and this is how the story came up. I was just telling it. I ran into Mike White, um, Devlin Brill, and Brian Gunzenhauser. He was, they were all out there 
riding the track and then we saw them down at McDonald's doing 180s in the parking lot. I ran into Devlin the other day, that's how this story came up. Um, but that's, that's how that trip came about. I just rode out there, rode the track a couple times and just was like, this is awesome. Like this is something I don't know how to do, the skateboarding. At that time, like people were getting sponsored and it was like, that seemed like you know, everything was West Coast. There was like nothing really happening here. And I wasn't that good. I just I mean, I could do some stuff, but I was like, that's so much far of a, you know, like, I'm, I'm not pursuing this. Let's just get a bike. So a couple of my friends were like, let's just get BMX bikes and start riding bikes. So we started going on the track like every day since then. And I still keep a skateboard with me every once in a while just to monkey around, but. Yeah, to talk shit online about the half cab. Right. Yeah. You like that? I saw that, yeah, it was nice. I, that, that whole thing was interesting. <laughs> I, I like any kind of uh, shit talking these days because people need to just realize that it doesn't really even matter. No, it doesn't. Especially now more than ever. Because you cannot divide anything much more than it is now. Right. Like, everyone should just be joining together. But should we just end it with that? No. End this in a, um, okay, so you're riding South Park BMX track a bunch. Um, yep. First visit to Push. So was Push already there? Yes. Okay. So Push was already there. It wasn't very hard. Like once you started riding the track. And that's me. I, I mean, I didn't know anything about BMX. Like, I, a kid in a school probably had a BMX. I don't even know what magazine was back then, but um, that's all we knew. We didn't know about anything else. So just riding the track, you quickly saw that there was a group. There was these badass kids. They were rolling tires off the berms through the track, and like you knew that they were a group. And then word of mouth, everyone would know that's the push guys. And so like, I didn't know who they were. I didn't meet any of them till maybe later in the year or something like that. But we just had rode the track so much. And like, that was our jumps. You learned how to jump. You learned how to, you know, do 180s. You were doing, learning all this stuff just at the track. I didn't ride anywhere else. And then you heard, there's push down the street. And we we're like, what is that? Like, so I actually never went. My friend who, you know, started this whole bike journey with me Ken he started riding down there before me because I think it was like 15 or 14 and a half I broke my ankle so that summer I was pretty much off my bike the whole summer and he started riding down there and it blew my mind like he would you know oh you know if you know anyone even to today you tell someone oh I used to ride a push I still get these stories like you have to know so-and-so yeah. he used to ride a push and most of them didn't. You right. know, there wasn't that many people that could really ride there, and a lot of people claim it. But my point is that like he started riding there, so he got in with that group before I did. Who who would that group have been? Back like the like Jason Stig, Justin yeah, so Short. Yeah, it was like Stig, so Justin Short. I did not meet oh, until wow. at an X Games, like years later. Yeah, in '98. So yeah, I think yeah. he had moved. I don't know his story either. Um, but he was gone before I started riding there. But it was like some of the racers, like Chad Savar, um, you know, Hummel would come into town, Yaka was there, but they weren't like the locals, they were the Mount Pleasant guys. But um, Ground Chuck, Rocco, Rap Boy, like Justin, the Cummings brothers, Steve. And like, so that group. So there was this, and they were all, you know, my age or maybe a year older. And then this Stig and all those older guys were, were there too. But 
like that was that main group it was not very big and then there was like kind of my group that came in it was like the dan lockmans and like the 14 to 16 year olds that started riding there a little bit later okay um back then did that the the group of older guys did they like were they cool with you guys riding there this like the new kids coming in it was a very big misconception that they weren't but i mean they invited pretty much anyone to come but they put up this big front um and that's what a lot of people got a bad rep or they thought you weren't really allowed to be there or you know they just liked talking crap on people um but no i mean you anyone who would come there and ride or help dig which you know i always got a bad rap for but um anyone that went there everyone just that's how they were friends is they talked crap to each other and you know but yeah they were all inviting and everyone they came there never they never had a problem with well yeah to this day um if i see jason stig and ground chuck together like the way stig rips into ground chuck like is brutal and i'm like man is it always like that he's like oh yes that's our whole lives as we've been just like that i'm like wow that's how that group and that's i mean like i didn't come from that they were all i know chuck lived actually closer out towards me but like all those guys were bethel park south park and you know they all grew up together and a lot of them went to school together and so they all knew each other and so it was the outsiders like coming into that clique and they that's just how they talked and it was just hilarious to watch and listen (laughs) and if you weren't from that clique you know it did look like oh mama I, i can't hang out with these guys or like yeah, all, all I do is I go there and they just rip on me. I mean, they ripped on me like the whole time I rode there. Hmm. But I almost feel like it just makes you better. You know, right. they don't mean bad by it and, and they didn't, you know. It just, yeah. it's just how they were to each other. I actually have a funny story about that too. Go ahead, man. I don't think it's going to be anywhere in your notes. But I, the first, so after I became pro, which I know we're jumping ahead, I tried to get into Woodward once as a pro and got turned down because someone there had heard stories about me talking bad about little kids somewhere at Changa. Did you ever hear this story? No. So I, you know, my group, I mean, I never really hung with these big pros or these, this group that was in Pittsburgh. It was all my friends that were younger than me that I rode with all the time. And that's how we talked to each other. So what I, and I don't know the real story. I just, I might, I'm assuming that someone had seen me at Changa talking to these kids like this they were my friends you know that that's how i grew up then you know at that point i'm 19 they're 16 it's my job to put them in their place you know in a funny way yeah but that i was just like what like when i heard this they were like yeah we weren't sure if we were gonna let you come up we had heard you were doing this 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 and i'm like i would never like <laughs> I'm like let me in like I, I would never do that to anyone like if you see a kid case the box like joke yeah oh, case it yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. no I, that was I went to Japan with you and Punjab. You know, you guys both come from Push. Right. And I wasn't ready for it. Because we were riding those trails and they were like uphill. Like, remember you like pedaled through the park, took a right turn? And you and Punjab made it through, you know, probably like 10 tries before I did. And I'm just working to get through it. And I'm like hitting the long and low and I'm like doing a Hannah. And I remember hitting the long and low one time and uh, you just go, whoa, King Hannah. and. You and Poonjab were just laughing. I'm like, fucking guys. It's so weird to think about now because, like, now that I have the kids, I now learned, you know, how 
how to bring someone up with praise, you know? But then, like, what would it have looked like if we hugged and was like, Chris, that was a great job out there. Right, right. Like, so right. that's just how we communicated with each other. And it was, uh, it, it's funny to look from the outside in on that. Probably gave you a thicker skin, though. Right. Um, but I totally get it. Um, but even still, even those, those guys were like, cool with you guys coming you were still a bit of an odd man out oh for sure um it, certainly I, I you know when i watched um when i grew up watching tweakers i just assumed you guys were all this tight group of friends like i assumed you went to school together and you were all like really close then when i got to know you you're like yeah i don't really hang out with this guy or that guy I'm like oh what's what's ground chuck like, and you're like oh, i don't know i don't really talk to him that much you're a push local. You got to know all these guys. And it, it kind of seemed like you were definitely a little bit of an outsider. Yeah. And I don't know if that was, again, it wasn't purposeful. It was just that I think I came in a little bit later and I never like where I lived. I was, I brought it up before, but I was nine miles from there. So I had to ride my bike to push and then back. They were all kind of there. Some people had cars um, at that time. And, you know, they would do things and they all, you know, talk at school or we're going to go here. Me and my friends, like, we just were like, hey, we're going to go there on Saturday. Let's just meet up there and see who's there. Like, so we were, you know, I think Lachlan was the only person I knew his number at that time. And that's just how that was. We weren't like, it wasn't like there was two clicks. It was just they had their big main one and whoever else came in, came in. But yeah, I didn't, I would show up like days and there would be no one there. Like, oh, they all went to Mount Pleasant to ride those trails. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, and, and you would just ride push. Yeah. Huh. Like, that's how that worked. Okay. Um, but a lot of the guys that rode push had a very similar style. That it was like a race motocross, heavily influenced by motocross style. And then there's Barspiniak, you know, trick dude, doing. And again, I know we might be jumping a little bit, but like, you were the first guy I saw do a tail whip at push. I mean, in Anthem, right. mind you. But where, growing up around those guys and riding push with those guys, why start doing all the tricks? Why start doing the bar spins? So, I, yeah, I think we missed a, a part in there of like when I was riding the track, I don't know what the, where the tricks came in. Like, again, I don't know what I was seeing. I don't even remember that time. There wasn't, you know, I didn't have, there wasn't DVDs. There was VHSs and someone would pass one around. I never bought any. I didn't have any. Um, but there was this park that me and my friend Ken would ride. It was called Pauline Park and it was just a fly out. So that's what, you know, if we weren't going to these trails or to the track, we just had a one jump. I never rode a dirt bike. I don't know if I'd ever even seen like a motocross race or a supercross race. So like I never knew any of that side of it. And so when we would go there, we'd be like, all right, you know, he would try to a bar spin and he would try 180 and we would, you know, we would just go back and forth. What can we do off this thing? You mm -hmm. know? Um, we also wrote a curb, like a curb bank. And then we would just like, what can we do on this bank? And we would just sit there, tail tap and do bar, 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 like, and that's where all that stuff, that muscle memory and just like doing those tricks that like, I think it was probably the second time I even rode push, um, maybe a little bit later than that. But like, as soon as I was able to jump one of the jumps, I was like, I got to bar spin that. And there wasn't, you know, and to me that was just like, well, that's what I do. Like if I get in the air, I'm going to do a trick. Like I don't know to just do a kick out and 
that is what would look cool. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I gotta take my hand off, I gotta take my foot off, I gotta do this. I still ride like that, but like, I just, I don't ride that way. I never was brought up that way. And man, I, I wish I did, because I, I would probably still be able to do all that <laughs> and, and look good. Now I'm like, uh, I do a bar spin, you know, stove my finger, fall <laughs> off, and I'm like, yeah, that was stupid. Um, well, that explains a lot then. Yeah. Because, like I said, I, I watched Tweakers a bunch. And I watched 1201 a lot. And I'm like, wow, who's the dude doing all the tricks? Because I was super into like doing bar spins and stuff. Um, so like I kind of noticed you in those videos already. Um, being that Corey Muth would come up and ride push. Like he knew all the locals where I'm like, who's mm-hmm. that guy? Who's that guy? I'd sit and watch these videos. He's like, oh, that's, that's Wachowiak. And he's like, they call him Barspiniak because he does so many bar spins. I'm like, really? Barspiniak? Who gave you the name Barspiniak? I mean, it had to have been either Stig or just anyone at Push. Like, that's you, you would walk in and you would just get a name. And so <laughs> for, for a while, it was just, you know, the Wachowiak name just... It lent itself. Yeah, it was, that. you know, yeah. Barnak-Nak-Yak. And, and, you know, it had all these Aki-Aki-Aki. And then when you, was, you do bar spins all day long, it just ended up Barspiniak. Okay. Because now I'm thinking about push locals and their nicknames. I'm thinking like wing, oh, yeah. Wingding, Chuck, Poonjab. Like, no one. And I mean, to this day, like I see people on Facebook and I'm like, oh, that was his name. Like I didn't, like I'll see people at car shows and stuff. And I'm like, I'm just thinking of what we called them. And I'm like, right. I try to find him on Facebook or something. I'm like, that's not his name. Like, well, <laughs> I don't remember what his real name was. I gotcha. So. Squirrel. Squirrel. Like, <laughs> um, they just didn't like real names. Yeah. I guess, they're, yeah. Um, and again, we might be jumping ahead too far here. I mentioned 1201. I mentioned tweakers. That's the first time that, that I saw you. And I know you were in like, uh, bent forks, broken bodies, but I saw that like later cause that wasn't as popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a quote here, a recent quote that says, I pretty much owe my whole career to Anthem one. And you said that about the stew podcast. Yeah. So when I saw, it was actually before you were just mentioning that it was coming. I don't think I even listened to it yet. Um, I don't know, I just felt like chiming in there. I don't really do too much of the internet chiming in these days. Um, but, I mean, I just wanted them... It, it just brought back that memory of of that video. Cause okay. I don't think about that stuff too much these days, or haven't in a while. Um, but it was. I remember sitting in my mom's, because I was living with my parents at the time, sitting in their kitchen and getting that phone call from Bud Deck. And it was just like... He was asking me about the dirt circuit and they wanted to change, you know, it going from, I don't remember what it was then, $500 purse to a $5,000 purse or something, whatever it was. And I'm like, for one, I'm like, I can't believe these guys talked to me on the phone. I had talked to him a couple times before and he, he was like, flow me a frame because Squirrel was riding for DK. And then uh, the end of the conversation was like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure people will swing. And it was like, you have to pay $50 to entry or $100. Again, not <clears> so long ago, I don't remember what it was, but... And he was like, but good thing for you, we're going to start paying your entry fees. And I'm like, oh, what was that? Because like, at the time, I'm, I'm, this will probably go against what people thought of me then, or that's probably what they thought anyway, but I just wanted to be sponsored. Like, I had got that bug where, like, I wanted to be, but where, you know, riding a push, it wasn't cool to be sponsored by a lot of people, and you're really not supposed to, like, go try to be, you know... I was working on a sponsor me video, like all this stuff. And you knew you were good enough, right? That's at that time. I, I mean, I was just like, I knew the tricks meant something. There wasn't a lot of people doing that many tricks, and it just came naturally to me to do them. 
So it should make sense. I just sucked at contests at that time and wasn't doing anything else, hence the video. So then, yeah, I'd gone to like two or three contests and I don't even know what I got. I'm sure near the bottom. Because I wrote a South Park one twice and then wrote a Christmas classic. I mean, I don't even know what my first Christmas classic finish was, but it wasn't good. And then uh, that's what, anyway, the button deck conversation was then, well, you know, we'll start paying for your entry fees. Just keep putting out video parts like that. Huh. And to me, like now looking back and like how video parts are important now, I should have taken that a little bit more serious. Yeah. But I just was like, all right. Okay. I guess I'll just keep doing that. <laughs> um, so he'd already seen Anthem prior to you going to the Christmas classic then, right? He must have. I think I'm trying to piece this together because it was actually when you, when you guys were talking about the Anthem and when it came out and stuff like that, I was like, do I have that right? It was after. So it was after that Christmas classic. Okay. Like, so I had went and rode and like, that's me. Like, I remember it and I remember what I was wearing, but like, I didn't do good. I fell on something or tried to. fell on a tail whip. I'm sure. Um, and, uh. Well, I remember vividly. I remember watching you in practice. Is this the one jump? No, this is two. Uh, this is the, um, it's probably the year after that is a set of quads. Okay. Are we, are we on different years right now? No, I think I think I think that's it. Okay, this is nice. 19- I wrote, but I rode the one before that too. Okay, but again, that's what I mean. I- yeah, you had a clip and props doing a bar spin, the bar spin back on the one jump. Okay, I think Brian Foster won it. TJ got second. Typical. Yes. Okay. Um, but the following year, um, it was like ni- it was nineteen ninety seven, you know, just going into nineteen ninety eight, and I remember you riding those quads at the DK Dirt Circuit. And I was like, holy shit. Like, your second or third run, you did a tail-up on the second set. Like, not a lot of people were doing tail-ups yet. Like, TJ Lavin could do tail-ups and, you know, maybe a handful of other guys. I'm like, who's that dude? And everyone's like, that's, that's Barspiniak. I'm like, whoa. I, was, I literally thought, I was like, he's the best bike rider in the world. And then they premiered Anthem. And you had... Um, you really stood out in Anthem because Anthem was all about, like, that yeah, was the... You know, a lot of style, a lot of like, a lot of kickouts, turndowns, tables. I mean, you had like Stoffer, who was, he's now like an icon, um, snapping tables. But like, you really stood out because you had a lot of those bar spin tricks, and uh, it seemed to me like your whole, well, you had a split part with Stu and Chris mm-hmm. Hallman. It looked to me like your whole part was filmed on the one jump, on the eight pack. Like you just did a couple tricks, and you have this like standout footage in like the biggest video. Of all time. I mean, Stu, I want to go back to two things on and that, but Stu was correct about like how he was like, hey, I, we showed up and he just filmed stuff. Like, I didn't know he was filming for video. Like, didn't, I mean, I would have even tried even that more things. But like, that was just how we rode in those days. Like, you jumped those jumps, you did tricks, people would pull out a camera and you'd be like, yeah, I'm up. And you would just like start doing stuff. But we, we didn't, I didn't know it was going to anything or what it was for. And it probably was. It was. I'm sure it was one day on the same jump. <laughs> I'd have to go back and see it even if I was in different clothes. Because it probably was just... No, it was one day. Yeah. I remember it. Like, Because um, I remember every trick you did was like so proper. No foot of can-cam, one-hander. Like proper. Um it had just been up to that point, like, 
I think that was the perfect timing for that video of like, I finally got stuff like, oh, these should probably look good too. Cause I would just do the, you know, most ridiculous tricks and try them. And, and that's Bennett fits right into there too. He would come down from Titusville and they would just, he would just flail him stuff all day long. And I'd be like, yeah, I just didn't like falling as much, but we would just be like, try this, try this, try this. And you would just keep doing it. And then all of a sudden it just clicks where you could actually do them and they look decent. And you're like, oh, I should probably actually put my hands out straight, not just up in the air. Right, you know. right, right. Um, so, so Anthem wanted to come out, biggest video of all time. You did terrible at the Christmas classic, but you were still on DK. Like that was like your first DK okay. sponsored event, right? Because you weren't wearing a jersey. I don't remember you wearing a no, jersey. No, that's what I had, I know I had a frame. I probably I think it was the blue yeah. legacy or whatever it was. Like that's when he had just started giving me a frame. I wasn't really on DK. And that's what, like after that Christmas classic, he called me and that's what the conversation oh, was. okay. Sorry if I got that timing off. But yeah, after that was like, hey, you know, whatever it was. Like, hey, we're thinking about changing the format. You know, would, would you come to these? Or I don't know if he was just trying to get rider input or whatever. And that's when he like offered to be like, do you want to be on the team? So the next contest I remember after Christmas Classic was Florida, Orlando, and you did have a jersey then. That's yes, yeah, so with your that's name when I was on the team. Your name on the back. Did he like? Because it seems like oh, we're just going to pay your entry fees as long as you're putting out video parts. But when you got to Florida, were they like, oh hey, you should probably wear a jersey too. I honestly don't remember. I think at that time I was probably, again, I was real sponsor hungry. I okay. probably was like, hey, I'll wear it. send me some stuff. You know, like, oh yeah, I would have worn. At that time, yeah, like, I mean, you mentioned like TJ and all that. Like, I wanted to be that in leathers, you know, like yeah. jersey. That that to me looked cool. Like, it made sense. Like, you know, I, that's what I, you know, because I did race for a little bit too, but I never wore that stuff then because I wasn't sponsored and I felt like, once you're sponsoring, you could like, okay, put on that, you know. Oh, now I'm pro. Um, didn't you win? Well, you didn't win Florida. Or you got second. Second. Nyquist won. Correct. Because Nyquist won everything. But uh, I remember um, you did your first run. I don't remember what place you qualified. You did your first run. Bar spin the no foot can can on the second one. But something happened where like the cameras weren't ready. And like, hey, you need to redo your first run. Do you remember this? No. You did your first run twice because like our cameras weren't ready. And so you're like, okay. And you just went back and did the same run again. And it was like even better than the first time. Like you didn't complain about it. You weren't like upset. You're just like, okay, yeah. Went back you know, And I'm not gonna remember who this was. I'm, I'm, hopefully he's listening and remembers this. Whoever was the starter, you know, the guy with the clipboard like tells you to go. Yeah. All I remember about that contest, there's two things I actually remember about it. Is I remember before my run blowing a snot rocket, which I never do because I think it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> and it landed on his clipboard before my run. <laughs> like that's all I remember picture being there because I was so embarrassed and I was still just this kid. Like and I was just like, I don't know. That's what I remember. I don't remember what my first run was or yeah. what I did. Again. In your last run, you did a straight triple. It was like, and it looked... And, you did it with like this face and it was like wow like this dude's gonna be something so you got second behind Nyquist and then it was just like 
we, so hit, I, we hit the road. So I drove down there. That's at this time, you know, sponsoring was, yeah, like he just was like, you don't have to pay for your entry fees. I rode down there in, in a car with friends of mine that I used to, they used to take me to races. And I was just like, can I go with you down to this thing? I'm going to ride in this contest. And so I went down there for that. And all I remember is I wanted to win enough money to get my car inspected. <laughs> I had that, the Chevy Citation at that time, the red oh, yeah. Chevy Citation. And not only, I think I won 800 bucks. Because that was the, yeah, that was the first time that it was the 1200 mm -hmm. 800 purse. So I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I think I bought dinner. We went to some buffet or something like that. And then I got home and I was like, not only am I getting my car inspected, I'm buying new wheels and new tires. Did you also get flames painted on the Citation? Is it that? Is that was that? It was car? that. Okay. Yeah. I think once the rims got put on, I painted the flames on. Wow. You knew how to spend money. <laughs> That's nice. And then the wheels got stolen. That was the car that got stolen, which might lead into whatever story. I don't know if you have the club story in your list. I don't, but thanks for jogging my memory. Basically what happened, uh, I, I grew up in Cary, North Carolina, one of the Very nice place. safest places in the world. And Todd drives down from Pittsburgh to come visit and he parks his car in my mom's neighborhood. Like this is a neighborhood with like half million dollar homes. Yes. And you have a 91 eclipse. 20 years ago. Right. This is a, uh, the houses, the medium range is probably about 300 actually. Yeah. Anyways, but you drive down 91 eclipse and you park it in my mom's neighborhood and you put the club on it. And I just remember my mom losing it. She's like, oh, don't worry, Todd. No one's going to mess with your car. We know you got the club on it. <laughs> I mean, that car was old back then. I didn't get out much then. Okay. And so all I knew really was my little Pittsburgh town. And yes, yeah, so this car I had, it was an 85 Chevy Citation. Piece of junk. But I had put brand new tires and brand new 14-inch chrome wheels on it. And within two, three weeks, it got stolen in Oakland while I was going to school. So I dropped my, you know, I parked my car in Oakland, go to class, come out, car's gone. Jeez. And I'm like, okay. And yeah, they found it the next day. Up on blocks, no tires, no wheels. Man, hot commodity. So club Pittsburgh. ever since. Wow. You're not still rocking a club. No club. Okay. Uh, I learned that they can just break that off pretty easily too. Yeah, but in, <laughs> I hope people from Cary or someone from North Carolina knows about Cary, North Carolina, to think that you put the club on. So I want to go back to the Christmas classic stories because you reminded me of something. I would have never thought of the tail whip. So the first or the second Christmas classic you're talking about where I was doing the tail whips. I had probably just done one or two at push, but at that time there was no, we rode Changa, but like I never got out to Changa. Like that was a two and a half hour drive. We would go maybe once a winter, twice a winter. I had spent pretty much the whole winter doing those upside down tail ups yeah i remember you telling me this yeah yeah laying on your back and just doing tail up you would sit there and just do bar spin bar spin back tail whip tail whip back turn downs and that was bike riding like i remember it, my bike was in my room i would lay in bed and do that over and over and over and i went to the i went there and i i'm not sure i'm sure i probably pulled one practice or i don't know what i did but i just was like oh my god this totally works just from doing it over and over and over again tried it on a jump and it and it worked. That's crazy. 
which leads to the second, so the third Christmas classics, which, which I did do well in. I'm sure you know about that one. You got first place. Yeah. Todd won it. So the, the year after that, it, we had one of these mild winters. I was now riding Area 51 trails, and it was the same thing. Like, we had rode so much all the way up middle of November still riding, and so everything was just so fresh. And, like, I had never had that before going into one of these contests because it was always Christmas classics after riding, not riding for two months. And then the next one's going to be in Florida where I might have rode once or twice before that. Like, we just would go to school. It was like you go to school time, and then in the summer you rode bikes. Mm-hmm. So that Christmas classic, I was just like, I'm on. This is it. Like, this yeah. feels good. That wasn't your first win, though. You won uh, South Park in 98 as well. Was that after that Orlando one? Yeah. Same year. 1998 was your big, like, you know, uh, oh, yeah, that freshman, was you know, this, I'm Todd, I'm here to dominate. Because you did really well in uh, Virginia Beach as well for that, C- not, it's not a CFB, but it was a, like a B3, a qualifier yeah. for the X Games. And it was like, I think, again, I think Nyquist won. Maybe Fuzzy got second and you got third. And I remember this is my first year on DK too. And I'm like... That was our first meeting, I think. Um, that was the first time we really hung out. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, that dude's way better than I am. Like, this is... <laughs> but I was psyched because... I was psyched that we were both on DK because... I was like, I have a friend on DK. Because I'd taken uh, one trip before, like, before you and I were traveling a lot together. I took a trip with Robbie Miranda, Neil Wood, and Dusty Wiedemann. And I was like, these guys are awesome. But I don't really have anything in common with yeah. them. And like, I was still a kid. Like, you were a kid when you got on. So I was like, okay, Todd's on DK. Now like, we could be kids together and be sponsored riders. Like, eat candy bars. Well, dude, I mean, that, we didn't party. We're yeah. drinking sodas and eating cookies and traveling the world. It, that was really, like, I, I think it would have been, those first few years for me anyways would have kind of sucked because I wouldn't have had, like, a buddy. Yeah, didn't have that. But it was, so it was like, I'm not trying to get too deep, but, like, to have someone to go through that with that was, like, experiencing all that stuff for the first time as well was, like, pretty sick. And, like, you coming from Pittsburgh, me coming from Cary, was just, like, you know, too... So, yeah. such different places but I was like so thankful to like I got a buddy that we're doing this together I don't know I've never thought of actually do I probably wouldn't have done that's what I, I, I need to feed off of that friendship or like a group of guys are going to this or we're going to go to that and I don't know what that would have looked like because I remember that like we would you know we were pretty much the same at that point these young kids and but I could not do as well in contests those, At that those, point. Those first few years until like the following year when it was like me, you, Nyquist. Like almost, not every poet. We didn't do that in like the big contest, but like dirt circuits and things like that. It was like me, you, and Nyquist. Like on more than a few occasions, which was like awesome. I'm like, wow, like me and, me and Todd. Like Nyquist seemed like so much bigger and better, but like we were there. We were like, the young we're, kids that were like close. Yeah. But yeah, that, I just watched the, uh, I'm going to screw up the name, but the Greenville movie. Someone posted on Facebook a couple days ago, like the pros of oh, Greenville yeah. or something. Pro Town. Pro Town. Yeah. And I had never seen it. And I was like, I'm going to watch this thing. 
and like it talked about those days and like and I just was like oh now I see why they were so good and why they were like so different like I mean like we I just rode with my friends you rode with your friends and you know we spent a lot of time on the road together but like you just ride like that and I was like oh if I would have lived there I mean after a year you'd probably be riding just like that you yeah. know and and they were machines it was amazing but yeah you would show up at the contest back like, oh he's he's gonna get first I'm, I'm just shooting for second you know like and, yeah and i was fine with that and that was but you won quite a few contests uh, and you i mean you were there and you saw like there was never like i'm going for this like me and you would always just be like ah oh, dude fell like this is it yeah. like and you would see those contests where like it would either like the virginia beach one was that you brought up was like perfect example that was me crappy three little jumps put some wood on there you know the big dudes aren't going to be able to like do their stuff so it was yeah. just like when those those scenarios would hit like when you know the jumps were a little bit harder than they normally are or the last jumps further than the one before it you know like half the groups out yeah and so that's where we would shine that was i i remember like nastasio always like being on the deck like these fucking jumps are tiny and like because he was like the big jump guy like him oh, and yeah. that were like make it big make it big but like the jumps would kind of suck because they're like built in a parking lot the day before and you and i are just like hell yeah dude like oh yeah this is easy it. second place right now straps and plywood on that lip let's go to town yeah um, well, I'm glad we could get through that, but, um, so yeah, like 90, when you, I remember when you won that dirt circuit, that first one, the bar spin to bar spin one hander lander and he like skidded into the berm one handed. I was like, wow, that's like, I thought like, I was like, Todd's on a different level than, even though I got third at that one, yeah. it was like you, Joey Garcia, and then myself and then Nyquist. Like just got bumped off that podium. No podium. Yeah. Was that the South Park one? No, that was that was Christmas Classic. Oh, that the was South okay. Park one. Um, yeah, you won that. You did the triple bar. Um, That's yeah. I was like, I don't remember one hand or nine or that thing that you couldn't stop after. That. Maybe Punjab got second at that. Because Punjab did like the one-handed Superman. See, th- these years were really fresh for me. Yeah. See, I'm. Because you won that contest and you bought an eighty-one Camaro. Eighty. That was in the 80s, because me and John both had... He had an 84, I had an 85. Okay, so it was an 85 Camaro? Yeah. Damn. Oh, man, that, maybe that means the Citation was even older than that. So... But either way. How much of this do we owe to Steve Bledendeck? I mean, I, I know I put a lot on, on, on Stu's comment there, but... I mean, Steve's the one who made that phone call. Yeah. Um, I mean, we... I mean, you have to also agree... Actually, was wondering how I was going to put Steve into this because at that time, I mean, he 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 ran everything, yeah. and not only yeah, putting me on the team and not just putting because there was a lot of team managers at that point that were just you know people talk about on podcasts all the time, just handing out money like wear this jersey, put this on, and he wasn't doing that. It was more like a hey, we want to we're like putting this team together and we want you know to you to be a part of it and we're going to take you around and promote you. And that's what team managers should be doing or companies should be doing at that time. Um, but yeah, he was just awesome. And still is, you know, and yeah. just... I said for years, uh, yes, I, I rode for DK, but really is, I rode for Steve. Right. Um, like if my jersey just had a big SB on it for Steve Budendeck, that would have made 
probably more sense because like you know if he was like hey you should do this i'd be like okay i remember like going on photo shoots hey steve i just want to do a kick out and he'd be like no you guys have too many tricks and too cool of tricks to be doing a kick out so just do the no foot it can can or whatever like those are always really fun i think it's crazy to think back about that like was it just that he was a little bit older and understood that or was it because of the marketing side because that's I me mean, like now I'm like you should always just let, let the riders because that is what pushes you know the sport but he was just so right on like he wouldn't tell you anything wrong to do yeah like I remember this might it's off tangent but I rode for that company in France Spartak okay it they, they never made it over here but uh they were or the Spartak was the skateboard company B52 yeah B52 was the bike brand and I remember telling the guy I want a 14 millimeter axle rear cassette and a 36 hole. Like no one was doing it because they were they were all 48 hole wheels. The cassettes were just coming in from the racing, and he was like, "No, we're not going to make that. Like no one would want a 14 millimeter axle on a 36 hole." And he didn't do it. And like that's all you know until all the new stuff came out. But like that's all anything ever turned into. And I'm like, you should have listened to the rider. Like we know what we're talking about. Yeah. Sorry, I went off on that, but like, but Steve not only told us what to do or guided us in ways that, but he knew what he was talking about. I'm like, yeah. don't do that. Like, you know, we have so many of those, or you just did ten of those, and you know, it's like, oh, but I really wanted to. I, you know, I, I showed up here wanting to do the table, you know. Yeah. And he's like, no, nah. that, ain't, that, ain't, that ain't work. <laughs> um, what were some of your like favorite contests? Favorite like wins? So the South Park one you brought up was, I was going to say that might be like, cause it's hometown. So up into that, I mean, this would probably be my, I don't know, third South Park contest. Like, cause like I said, I would enter them. My very first one, I was probably 15. I did three one-handers. It was the big jump, Jimmy LeVan, Stig jumped. It was like off the track, off the pro lip. I entered that. I was wearing a rock climbing helmet. Oh, you rode that one. Yeah, Bennett. Wow. I think Bennett had clips and props. Yeah, like, BF did the three table on yeah. it. Yeah. So I entered that and everyone's like, he's going to do the triple bar spin. And I was going to do the triple bar spin. Like, I don't think I've ever even done one before. And I just choked all three runs or two <laughs> runs or whatever we got. Just sprinted at the thing, jumped it and would go one-hander. And I was like, all right, well, that was a, that was a wash. And then, I don't know, then I was hurt for the next one. I think that was the Taj tail whip. Okay when it was coming the other way so anyway anyway that pittsburgh one um it, i finally was getting my groove you know i realized i needed to calm down and just like ride and whatever and i don't know if i'm remembering this right or not but the they postponed it because of rain mm-hmm. and so my whole family so now I'm, while i'm not in pittsburgh you know my whole family knows that i ride and they're like he's gonna be in this contest and he's actually actually good now because they used to come to the other ones too <laughs> and uh they were all there and i sent them all home it's not happening and then for some reason like they ended up putting it on and so i called everyone back up i'm like you got to come back out like it's happening and so they all came back out and then i won and so it was this kind of like you know hometown guy and actually all came together in a good way so yeah, i think that one christmas classics were always like a fun event because it was such a big thing yeah but 
like my mom dad would be there like it really didn't mean a ton to me to win it in your hometown oh yeah at the track that you started riding at exactly like against all the big dogs were there like and all that like and i and still to this day like I, i'm friends with all these track not track people the you know the kids at race it's like just having them you know when they used to intertwine those it was so nice to have that you'd be riding there for that crowd like i knew all those people you know and yeah so i actually talked to um to budden deck today and he said there was a point when you were riding for dk and you were making 200 bucks a month you got an offer from diamondback for three grand a month and you turned it down is that true that is true there was actually there was actually an offer before that to, you had to have known about the Haro. Oh, yeah. But Haro wasn't that much money, right? No, that was 800 I but remember that. Right when you said... Quadruple what I was making. So, okay, you get an offer to ride for Haro with, I mean, there's Mira. Mira, Nyquist, Wachowiak. <laughs> that would have been the three at that time. Wow. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. And, okay, and you had an offer from Diamondback on the table for three grand, which that's a lot by like any person's standards. So again, this was, you know, trusting in button deck and, and at that time and even now, like it's just, is it worth the money? Like, are you chasing the money? Cause no one really wanted to ride a diamond back <laughs> and still doesn't. I'm sure. I don't know what, even if they're doing stuff, but, but they're not in BMX. Okay, anymore. good. I don't want to. Okay. But anyway. Um, but yeah, like that's, you know, it was like a, hey, you know, and, and we would talk about that. It wasn't like going behind people's backs anytime any of these deals or like, or if there was something going on on his end, you know, like, hey, we're going to be, whether cutting, adding, whatever, like it was a communication. Like, what do you think would be best for both sides? And then he would make a decision then. But yeah, like that's what he was like, you know what, we'll figure this out. Like, don't, we'll try to, you know, I think we opt photo contingency or we got like other side sponsors and he was like, don't worry about it. Like we'll, we'll try to get to there, you know, without you having to jump to Diamondback. How did the, was the Diamondback thing through uh, Warwick Stevenson? Did he like kind of set that up? I probably was he, yeah, cause he was Diamondback. He was living in Pittsburgh for a minute. I mean, you guys were- Oh yeah, we, yeah, we rode a lot back then. I'm just trying to think if that's how that tied in. I don't know how that came about. Like that's the same as the Haro. I, cause I'm trying to go back in my head on like, cause I knew a lot of the stuff would come up and I'm like, how does Haro get my number? Right. Like there's no, I remember where I was, like I was at the BMX, South Park BMX riding and getting a phone call. And like at that time I, like, it was just normal. But now I'm like, why would that even happen? But same with the Diamondback. Like, I remember having a contract, so I remember, you know, I must have, must have went through somebody and I tore it up. Wow. Three grand a month. I didn't know about that until today. Like, oh. I was talking to Budden Deck. I told him I was going to be interviewing you. We didn't tell you everything. <laughs> Which is good, because I didn't get any offers. Yeah. I, there was, I was like, wow, I'm making, at one point, uh, I remember bragging to you, I'm like, dude, I'm making 600 bucks a month on DK. And you're like, yeah, I'm making eight. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but you deserved it. I mean, like any penny that you were making more than me was well worth it. I, I wasn't sure, again, I wasn't sure how money was gonna come into this. I don't really like talking about that stuff too much because so, that's it. Um, 
remember like we were making that i'm good with the low numbers and stuff like that but like but then the racers like and we all knew the racers made a ton more and it just was like yeah we'll get there someday they've been on the team a long time and Mm -hmm. it just was what it was yeah as long as car insurances were paid yeah oh yeah i was living with my mom at the time like um but you talk about them we're kind of dancing around the money here and uh to me it almost sometimes even though you wanted to be a sponsored rider which you said it almost sometimes seemed like you felt kind of guilty taking money because you would talk about like oh i'm thinking about getting this job or i think i'm about doing this thing and i think that was a lot of like coming from pittsburgh which is like the most blue collar place in the world where like most men like you get up in the morning, you go to work, you work super hard. That's how you make your money. Like, there's no, like, for a kid from Pittsburgh to make money riding BMX, like, it's almost like, like you felt kind of guilty about it. Am I right in saying that, or is I, am I totally off? No, you're. I mean, you're, you're right on the money. It's just eh, money. The, <laughs> the, that's exactly how I felt at that time, and it, you know, everything comes full circle, you know, and I, I still feel it now. Like I've kind of made which we'll get to a lot of stuff, but like at that time it was, no one else did. You know, the people, there was a couple people before us, which I actually just ran into them, the Hummel, Von Stout, like these people that just got out of it, you know. You know, they were sponsored riders and had just got out of it when the money came in. And then there was all these people in Pittsburgh that all rode just as much as me, you know, rode better even to this day, you know, the Punjabs and the Chucks and like, that stuff was timeless to them. Like, now how many people can do bar spins? Like, all of them? Yeah. How many can do tail-ups? All of them. That, But no one can be ground chuck. We right. all know that. Right. And But now I'm getting these offers. And you're like, what do you do? Like, you don't turn them down. But then when you take them, you're the sellout. You know? And it's... The DKs and the standard and S&M stuff worked perfect for here, for Pittsburgh. Because it was, like... Oh, you're still on that team and it's a cool team so like it's not really that big of a deal and they didn't know what the money was and but and those stuff. were like bmx brands they weren't like right. these mountain bike brands that were coming in like like diamondback like haro like so you still remained core i mean i tried and that's it, like and that's what me and steve would go back you know and it's like we would go back and forth because there was times where i would want to i'm like hey i think i'm ready for this you know this and i know you guys can't do it but it's hard showing up at a contest when you know you're top three with the other guys and they're making, you know, they're all living in California and all had Escalades at the time, you know? <laughs> and I had, what was it? The blue Mitsubishi Eclipse, you know? So it was like, all right, you know, I think I'm going to do it, you know? But it would be like, all right, want to hold your ground, you know, we'll work out some other things. And Steve being the photographer always helped out, you know, he, we would just milk other knuckle bone sponsors and yeah get photo con- contingency that way um i always love the story where uh and this i mean and we're jumping ahead again i, I told you we're gonna jump around yeah. a little bit but we're talking about photos and photo contingency there's this uh this when snap was still around and uh, we're at the we're at interbike and they built a dirt jump in the parking lot and the night before, we're, like, doing, like, a demo. Like, they just went around the, the show. And like, hey, you want to ride in the demo? You want to ride in the demo? And like, so there was, like, me, you, Mike Parenti, Scott Wirch, a couple other guys. We're all doing this demo at night. Mulligan is shooting photos. And uh, 
And I'm like, oh, this is great. This is cool, whatever. And then Mulligan comes up to me, and I th- he talked to you. He's like, hey, um, I need a cover. Can you guys meet me here tomorrow morning before they tear this down? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And you were just like, eh, I don't know. And you didn't, you didn't come. The next morning, it was me and Scott Wirch in this parking lot in the middle of Vegas, shooting photos with Mulligan, hoping for the cover. Finally, that cover comes out, and you got the cover from the night before. <laughs> and I'm like, damn. And Mulligan's like, well, yeah, the pictures that we shot that morning, it's just like an empty parking lot, and there's trash everywhere. And yeah, I didn't like them. So Todd got the cover, and I'm like... So, do you remember anything else important about that cover? So that was when I'd, I'd gotten off of DK, and then we jumped ahead here. So I'm on Mongoose now. Okay, well, hold on. Before we get there, like, why leave DK? Like, because we talked, you didn't, you, you didn't want to leave for Diamondback. You didn't want to leave for Haro. But then Mongoose is the, the choice. You got a weird smirk on your face. Because you talking to Steve today, like, do you know the story or do you not? I mean, I, we had talked about it, I'm sure, at that point. He told but, me... <laughs> this is fun. He told me that he encouraged you. Like, the mongoose deal came your way. Okay. And he encouraged you to take the mongoose deal because he felt guilty for not, like, you know, for you staying with DK, even though, like, Diamondback and Haro were, were offering this money. This is one of the things I contemplated. Only because Steve now works there again. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's what, like, he had come to me... Um, I don't know how, so I think Fuzzy was trying to put together the team for Mongoose in the Travis Chipperes. And I don't know how I got word of it. Or I don't know, again, I don't know how any of these things happened. There was like barely any internet at that time. But, so I got word of this and I'm like, I don't know. Again, I don't know if they came to me or whatever, but there was an offer on the table. And yeah, it was, it was back to that, you know, a lot more money than DK was doing. But at that point, you now are doing well. So we're both now doing well in these contests. And Steve was just like, you know what? If, (laughs) because maybe people won't even know, we both had the signature bike coming out. Yeah. So we had a signature bike that was supposed to be both of ours. But if I leave, it, it puts more funds in DK for you. And the signature bike is now yours. And I get to take this other money. So again, we're both, like, again, Steve looking out for both of us. Yeah. And that's, I wasn't, I was like, I don't, I'm not going to throw Steve under the bus. Like, because he kind of was like, you should do it. And, and that's, like, and so that's why it never was like a bad thing. And I was like, dude, I feel bad. I never wanted to leave DK. But I will, this is, and the photo contingency and the, and the, the contest contingency on the Mongoose side was just so crazy. He was like. This is worth it. I'm trying to think of who's still in the industry. He was like, we will just pound them with photos. Like, we will, like, you'll make a lot more money, and then this will free up a lot of DK's budget to push Chris where he needs to go to now. Okay. And it was just this mutual thing, which just brings me back to that. So I was like, you know what? I'll still ride for DK parts, which wasn't really even, like, a thing. Right. But so, because Mongoose at the time, just they were going to give me a frame, but they didn't make anything that was really, you know, I'm not going to run a Mongoose fork. I wasn't really that confident. <laughs> so I wrote all the DK parts on the Mongoose frame, and I talked to them about it, and they were like, yeah, it's fine. Until that cover came out, I had DK bicycles down my fork tube. 
and that's pretty much all you can see because yeah. it was black forks, white lettering on this cover. And it was literally like two months after I got on Mongoose and they just were like, what is that? Like I got the phone calls, you know, it was just like, what's going on? And I'm like, I told you guys I was going to still ride for them. It says dkbicycles.com down my fork. And so then I was like, hey, Steve, we, we're not going to be. He was like, yeah, I understand. Like, that was bad. Like, yeah. it just. You couldn't have just run like a little DK. Yeah, story. like it. And I would have been there probably still doing it. But yeah, it was. Uh, that's all I remember again from that cover. Like, I don't remember that whole conversation. I remember jumping the one jump in the night. Yeah. But like, I hated one jumps. But what was the cut? It was the. The uh, secret. Uh, secret backs. Huh. Wow, I never knew a lot of that. Like, yeah. I always thought, um, like when I would talk to Steve, um, Steve was like, oh, they were downsizing a lot of the riders on DK. Like, the team was getting a lot smaller. And he's like, you're going to be our, our dirt guy next year. And I'm like, what, what about Todd? Like, and he goes, oh, Todd got like a good, good deal with Mongoose. I'm like, but now I'm just, who am I traveling with? Like, it was like losing a buddy, but like still we oh. Do you remember that part? What part? <laughs> the, the traveling. Again, I have to watch my words. But the, like, so then that was also talked about that I got a really good travel budget with Mongoose. And then you just would come stay with me. Oh, okay. Well, I don't remember that. Yeah. So that was like a... So we're saving money on hotels. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense then. So then it was like... It was like a win-win all around. Yeah. Jeez, man. It was a uh, good time. For all the notes I have, I I'm, I'm, feel like I'm missing so much. But yeah, We can't go through all of it. Well, yeah. I mean, this is only so long. Do you have to go to the bathroom or anything? I'm good. All right. Um, so you're on Mongoose. Made oh. the jump. Made the jump to Mongoose. <laughs> we skipped all of DK. But, I mean, running. Any of this stuff while well, I was running for DK. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. I'm just... Um, I don't remember any of it, but... Yeah, I, I, I remember your contest placings, and uh, there was the one, uh, you did really well. Remember the first Gravity Games? It was like the yeah. first like big pain gig. I remember you had like the 1-800 collect stickers all over your helmet. You don't remember any rental car trips? Yeah. Uh, me and Todd totaled a rental car. Only car I've ever totaled. Actually, maybe the only car I've ever wrecked. Well, true to form, I'll... I'll tell the story and fill in where... You're much better at this. Um, well, clearly I'm not because I'm forgetting so many different things. But, I mean, how, how long can a podcast be? Like, Anyways, um, Providence, Rhode Island, Gravity Games, big, like, high-paying NBC contest. You got second? What's yes. that? Like, 11 grand? Yes. 11 grand. I got sixth, which was still, like, yeah. four grand. Yeah, just was, going was money. Yeah, it was great. And I was, I was in college at the time. And I remember this prompted me to like quit going to college. But um, we're driving our rental car. Well, you had to like leave the contest to make it to, the, like it was Sunday after contest or whatever day. Like you had to go hurry up and get there. I had to, well, I'd, the contest was on a Sunday. I had to be home Monday. Because yeah. I had a, a finite math uh, final that I had to take or a, a midterm or something. And uh, I had to get back for it. So we're going to the airport, Todd's driving the rental car, and all of a sudden, we're driving down I-95, doing what, 70, 75 miles an hour, and a tire, or I'm sorry, a wheel 
Yeah, wheel. Flies over the median, and the wheel itself is probably going 65 miles an hour. Hits the front of our car and totals the car. And true to form, you're just like, and you're, oh, we just got hit by that wheel. And I'm like, so on my part of the story or how I saw it was we were in the middle of some sort of conversation or we were joking and talking and whatever. I never saw the wheel. And so this was that time period too when all everyone was totaling all these rental cars. Like we were kids, like me and you never did that, but like this whole group of BMXers and skaters and they would trash hotel rooms. And so at this time period, we had never done any of that stuff. No e-brake slides and you know, you never saw us driving anything in videos and doing goofy stuff but so we're driving on the highway trying to get you to the airport because you have to make this flight and i look over at you and you have that ah like something gnarly just happened and i'm like what and you're like something just hit the front of their car and i don't know if it was just these new cars or like i didn't feel a thing you didn't feel it no oh my god like i knew nothing had happened and we're looking we're trying to look down the hood and i'm like all right and we're like we're almost there let's just keep going so we're like halfway there, poor, we're just still going. And then all of a sudden, all the lights on the car are starting to come over. You know, like the oil light and the check engine light, everything's coming on. I'm like, dude, we're like right there. Let's just go, we'll check it out when we get there. So yeah, we pull into your, you know, our departure airport site, whatever. And then we both get out and you look at the front of the car and there's just this, the, the width of a wheel into the front through the radiator into the motor just this hole into this front of this car and it's leaking everything all yeah. of the airport and i'm like oh boy so but this is i i think this is before cell phones oh i certainly didn't have a cell phone yet. yeah um well no we broke down like we pulled to the oh, side of the road right. the car broke down and then you got it to start again and because that's why we were late we were late getting to my like i missed my flight because we broke down and we got the car started again, and then we went to the airport. You, we tried to return the rental car, like, hey, here's the rental car. And like, yeah. people are like, what happened to this thing? So what am I, 19? Um, First Gravity Games? I was 18, so you might have been 19 or 20. 19, 20. I just remember being like, a, like I was in the principal's office. Like, we go to turn this car in. Again, I didn't do any, like, I didn't purposely do anything. But we did just drive this thing to the airport, dropped you off. I then go to there, you know, try to re return it. And then uh, they had to call Bundeck. So I'm like, I don't know, you gotta call this guy. Like, it's a corporate car. Like, isn't this supposed to be covered? And they're like, what happened? And I'm like, I don't know, a wheel or so something hit. Like, my friend said something hit the front of the car. Yeah. And they're like, and you just drove it here? And I'm like, I didn't see it. Like, I, I don't know what happened. And they just assumed we plowed right into a pole or something. Mm -hmm. And so they had to call Steve down and Steve like had to come get me and like, we'll just take care of this. Like we'll figure it out. And like corporate DK had to like, I don't know what they did. I'm sure they did something with it, but he was like, don't you worry about it. Like this ain't your problem. Like just go. And then like, while we're sitting there, a cop shows up and says like, oh yeah, I just passed this. There was a van that lost a wheel on the highway. Like it, it you know, they didn't know where the wheel went. I'm like, yeah, that was it. Yeah, it hit us. Yeah, and they're like, oh, okay. And then that was it. I never heard anything about it. No, I never. I wonder if they had to buy some Impala or whatever uh, it was. Steve took care of it. That's all I knew. Yeah. I went home. Well, yeah, I, so I missed my flight. I had to get a flight the next day. I get back to uh, school. I'm going to North Carolina State. I go to my teacher. I'm like, hey, uh, 
I was in a car accident yesterday up in Providence, Rhode Island. I, I, that's why I missed the, the test. He's like, sorry. I told you guys, no excuses. And I'm like, but I was in a car accident. I, you know, I'm like, I'm 18. I just made four grand. I'm like, who? School, yeah. I'm done with this. Like, after that. We, we all have those stories. I mean, that's what happened to me. I think I, after that contest in Florida, when I did good, I was just like, wait a minute. These people are going to pay me money. And why am I going to these classes? Um, and you're out. So that wasn't the only gravity games that you did really good at. I was off and on. Yeah, the next year I didn't do well. I mean, I got top 10 or something. Or... You were always making finals. Like yeah. You were a pretty consistent top 10 finisher. But and then the year after. You had the, was it a double matching policy with Mongoose? So that's what the, that deal, so when we switched. So the first gravity games I was on DK and did well, got mm-hmm. second. And then, yeah, the next year I got on Mongoose right when that's, I think right when that started, the, or the second Gravity Games. But then the third one, yeah, my, my matching policy, and I'm, I'm assuming everyone else is on the team, was because we had these other crazy sponsors, Plug, which was a clothing brand through Hyundai. Kmart or something. Yeah, Hyundai. Um, they would double match your winnings. So you go to a dirt circuit and win 800 bucks, they would give you 1600 on top of that. And so I just kept like, all right, I, if I do good at one of these big contests, this is going to be crazy. And then it happened. Do you know why the Providence ones were always so good for me, though? No. I don't. I have family up there, too. Oh, okay. So anytime we would go up there, I'd have this, like, my family would all go because, oh, we'll just go see my aunt and uncle. They all had cousins and kids. And so, like, we would all go there, and there would be this big showing again. And so it would be like, all right, I'm just like. I remember your mom and dad being there. Yeah, my mom and dad would be there, my aunts, uncles. I think my brother went, I'm sure, both times. On Mongoose, when, uh, that, that year that you got second place, I got third place. And we're on the podium. Murray won, Stephen Murray yeah. won. And you like look past Murray and you look at me and you go, I beat you. <laughs> I beat you. Like, it didn't matter, like, you, you, oh, yeah, I know. you just made X amount of dollars and, and whatever else. You're just like, I beat you. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, I think at that time we were going back and forth pretty good. You might have been. I think there was a time where you started beating me pretty consistently. But it, it, it was, I might have been consistent. I was like second, third, second, third, fourth, second, third. Like, but you were like, you win a contest, then they get 10th. And then get second in the contest, then get like 12. Then it was like that kind of yeah. kind of thing as well. But yeah, um, I guess we can stop talking about contests a little bit. People love the contest talk. Do they? No. Okay. They didn't then either. Well, to me, I mean, I'm, some people <laughs> no, might be interested. That, in. I think that's why we, we went so much. We enjoyed it. Like, I loved yeah. it. I like contests. But yeah. you, it wasn't everything. Do you remember thing. we were in... Uh, and people are going to think I'm just like all about the money. But I thought this was really funny. Something I thought of. Me, you, and Nyquist were going to go out to eat. We were in like Kansas City or something. We went to have an ABA contest. Yeah. And we're hanging out with Nyquist. And Nyquist was Nyquist. And I think one of us was like, hey, Nyquist, how much money do you make? Because you and I were making like 200 bucks a month. Right. And I remember him like, he's like, I don't know. really. He's like, he sits down with like a, a pen and a paper. Do you remember this? Yeah. And he's like. I can't tell you. <laughs> like, come on. 
But well, again, we, um, we were this East Coast. Like, there wasn't much over here. We just knew there was some crazy stuff going on, on the West Coast. Yeah. I remember, like, because, you know, even Nastasio at that point, because he was, like, right below all those guys. And you would just be like, he just bought this house. He just bought this. And you'd be like, wait a minute, how is this? I remember sitting in the stands in one, you know, crazy California contest, that one that was you just sprinted in a... In the desert, yeah. yeah. And hearing him talk to all of his buddies, like, I just, my accountant said I just owed 27 grand in taxes. And me and you, like, weren't even making that. No. And going, wait a minute, what, what is, what's, what? I remember that. Because yeah. Lavin was explaining to, to uh, Nastasio how to, like, this is what you do. This is how you itemize. This is how you, you save these receipts. You save this, you do this, you do this. We were just winging it, man. And, um, I mean, Lavin was always super professional. He, he knew what to do, but uh, I just remember at the end of their conversation, uh, Nastasia goes, fuck it, I'll go to jail. <laughs> that was the end of it. And, like, Lavin just laughing. But uh, there was a... Uh, going down my notes, the next thing I wrote down was, who brought the dicks? Mm. Did you not think I was going to ask about that? The mm. video part? No, I didn't know what you were going to ask about. So. Um, I'm just kind of going in order. I'm yeah. jumping around, telling stories. It's, I, I like it. It's lighthearted. It's fun. Um, it's just we have, like, you know, we have a long history. So I was just like, I don't know where we're going to start or end or where. That's what's difficult with these things. With like, with Bennett, I was like, okay, how do I've known this guy for so long? Cover everything, We've been yeah. so close. Like, what do you cover? Like, what are you talking about? So I'm just kind of going in order of like your career and and things like that. But I. I never really thought you came through on video well until Who Brought the Dicks. I thought that was like your, if, if you put out like, I think that was your best video part. That's what I'm trying to say. I agree. I mean, that's when people are like, hey, what, what's this bike stuff? I'm like, here. And I show them that. And I'm like, just don't look at the title. And so, uh, but yeah, because that's on YouTube somewhere. Uh, I actually uh, watched it last night. But I thought that video part was really good. Who filmed that? Was that? Maddie. Maddie, and the, it was when that like whole New England crew mm -hmm. came to Pittsburgh. And they were staying with you. Were you, you weren't like supposed to have a part. They were just like staying with you, and you were again. It was just one it. of those things. Just like Anthem. Just like any of the, I think all the way up until one of the DK videos, I never. It, there was never a part. You're like, hey, we're gonna film for a part. That was that was filmed in two days. You know, it was just a weekend. They came down, and yeah, I think we BMX at that time, and I'm sure it is now too. It's just like, hey, people are in town. Like, hey, I have an apartment. Come stay with us, you know? Yeah. And they just hung out. We partied and then rode. But yeah, I think that was just a two-day thing. And again, the video comes out. Like, I always hear, like, you talking about parts and people always, like, talking about, you know, like, making these video parts, like, picking songs. I never, like, I would just see the video. Like, well, send me a copy. <laughs> like, I never had part, like, of coming up with them or... Yeah. I thought that was... By, by far your best video part and I think I mean you had part in like damn kids intuition yeah but that, I don't again I think it I, I look back and I, I thought I got there like right after all the um the mongoose like when I was on eastern for a while there I was like I feel like I was riding really good and wanted to do like a part and there just wasn't like anything really like I remember filming with filming with Will for a while because he was going to do something yeah, and I was just like, because I never, I never did a project or did like a, hey, I'm gonna really put some time into this. I know, yeah, it wasn't something I did. I just went to contests and rode. Well, I remember you came uh, when we were supposed to be filming for Intuition. 
you came to North Carolina, you stay at my place, and you're like, yeah, I, I can do handrails now. I'm like, oh, you, you can do handrails? And you're like, yeah, I did like a eight-stair handrail the other day. I'm like, sweet. The next day we go out filming, and I'm like, hey, I'm telling Will and Corey, I'm like, I want to go do this rail in Raleigh, oh, geez. which had already been done by Van Homan. And I was like, I don't care. It's enormous rail. And they're setting up their shots. And you, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah. You, uh, you put your bike on the rail. And I'm like, hey, get on your bike. I'll, I'll just like walk you down the rail. And <laughs> sure, sure enough, we're, we're going down the rail. And you're getting heavier and heavier. Gravity's taking over. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm at one point, this is like a 30 stair handrail. And I trip, but I don't let go of you. I just pull your front peg off the rail and you stomach grind down the rest of the rail. I'm going to post that clip, you know, to, Please. to help sell this, this podcast. But, uh, so you ate shit super hard because of me. I thought I like killed you. Yeah. I remember laughing at the bottom and you like thinking you killed me. Um, but then you got up and did the 30 stair handrail. You're like, I'm probably not going to crash harder than that. So I might as well it do it. It's probably a good thing. And then you just lace the rail. It was like, so that goes back to like me rails. I, I never wanted to do, but it's just at that point, people were like, that's where that stuff was going. And I was like, well, that's what I have to do. I went to Woodward and did their rail. Like there was like out in the street course. And I was like, oh, that's not really that hard of a thing, which I can't believe I did that. But then, like, going up to that rail, like, it doesn't make sense to me unless I see it or, like, process it. So I would set my bike up there. I would, like, you know, try to figure out, like, all right, I just got to jump to here. And where do I look at the bottom? And I have to, like, see it before I even try it. <laughs> and then you screwed it all up for me. But but then, like, I remember that. Like, I'm like, well, it can't go any worse than that. Like, you just threw me down the steps. Yeah. I know. So. I felt kind of. I, I felt real bad until I knew you were okay, and then I was like, I'm so thankful that Corey filmed it because that shit's hilarious. That came up uh, a few years ago. Um, some dudes from Canada hit me up. They're like, "What the what?" It was like all these screenshots yeah. of the scene, and they're like, "What the fuck is this? Like, why aren't more people talking about this? Why isn't this on like, um, remember uh, what was like the shit talking sites like Rodeo Peanut like." I don't even know what that is. Okay. It was like an Instagram page that, you know, they would like talk shit on people. Yeah, Regardless. I'm sure I'm on that one. Uh, no, they, they had their like people that they always went after. And yeah, you were never one of them. But um, yeah, I, I, that's not in my notes, but I'm glad I thought of that. Yeah. Because I'm definitely going to post that up because that shit's funny. That was a funny one. That was a good trip. Yeah. Was there a, like, wasn't there a point when you and Boner were thinking about moving to North Carolina? I don't think so. I never really, I don't remember ever wanting to leave. Okay. Because I probably would have. Did I you? know he, I think, well, now he is there, but. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Yeah. Um, was there any ever, any ever thought, like, to moving out of Pittsburgh? A lot of dudes were going to California. A lot of dudes were going, like, moving yeah. to North Carolina to go to Greenville. And... No, I mean, I never, I never pictured it going, you know, bike riding taking me where it did, but I, I just always knew there was going to be something else. Like, I'm like, well, I'm not going to go set up roots somewhere else to end up back here going to school. Mm. And all my family was here. Like, I'm really close to my family, and I never wanted to be far, you know. And so that just never, never even crossed my mind, you know. Yeah, because you guys are pretty tight-knit. Yeah. Um, 
And I know your mom and your dad. I always enjoy talking to your dad, especially. Everyone does. We've had some good conversations. He's as Pittsburgh as it gets. Um, like I said, living here now for almost 20 years, it's like, like it's funny. Like, Yinzers, they call him. Like, I wonder if they call him a Yinzer, though. No, he's, he's not the Yinzer, but he's, he's everything else. He's definitely like the Pittsburgh dude, the quintessential Pittsburgh guy. I remember coming to visit you. I drove up from North Carolina one time, and it was... Uh, maybe like it might have been like midwinter i don't know why i would drive to pittsburgh in the middle of winter but you were living at your your parents house in west mifflin Mm -hmm. and you were living in the basement and i remember walking around the house and your dad has two deer strung up and like gutted and i'm just i'd never seen anything like that i'm just like oh my god like but i mean in western pa that that's it. The, the start of deer hunting season. The kids have got off school. And, but anyways, I'm getting off track. Um, <laughs> talked about who brought the dicks. Um, I will say, like, I've lived in Pittsburgh now since uh, 2002. So I've been here for 17 years. I never would have, I never wanted to live in Pittsburgh. Never would have thought. Yeah, it's but, kind of the same thing as asking you, like, why you never, why you never re-left because i know you you know located well, here i was moving i lived in erie for that year i was going to move to north carolina and you were like you were killing it get that the mongoose contingencies going on yeah. you like i bought a house in pittsburgh um like, oh sick dude rent a room for the summer i'm like yeah i'll rent a room in pittsburgh what, what else am i doing and i was like oh i get to live with todd the guy i've been traveling with all these years and um but then i met denise like and i was like well Looks like I gotta stay. Yeah. And then for the people that don't know, Todd eventually moved out of that house, and I still there. Bought your house, and I'm still living in it, raising my family in it. That's crazy. Uh, in fact, um, I got new carpeting uh, a few years ago, and like they were carrying out the old carpeting, and there was it just said Wachoviac, like on the underside of the carpeting. Carpeting, I'm like that's the last like piece of ownership that yeah that Todd had here. Anyways, again, off track. Um, you mentioned Eastern. Eventually, I don't know, did the mongoose thing dissolve? Did you get dropped? Because so, even, even Fuzzy left mongoose. Yeah, it was right. So that only lasted, I think, two and a half years. It was a weird half contract the first time I got on. I think it was two and a half years. And then uh, they just were dropping everyone, I think, except McCann. Okay. Uh, I think that's how I remember it. Because like Ruben was on for a minute at the beginning, and then mm-hmm. we all got on, and I think they kept everyone except McCann, and that's when I think Steve. I think I just went back to him like, who, you know, what do you, what do you think I should do? What's open? And he, Axis, started doing Eastern's marketing around what okay. they called it at the yeah. time. But um, Corey and Steve were working for Eastern, you know, doing their graphics and helping them with bike layouts and things like that. And so he was like, I'll put a, I'll put a call in, see what I can do. And again, I wasn't chasing contracts or like, you know, I need to make this much money. It was just like, Hey, where, where do you think I should go? Would, you know, I still want to ride, you know, I knew at that point it was like, I wasn't going to stick around much longer. Really? You could kind of see the finish line coming. Yeah. I mean, it just wasn't. I could see the peak, you know, like it was going up, 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 up. And then it just, I could see the contest. Actually, Dew Tour was actually picking up 
and I just was like, I feel like I didn't fit in there. Like I'd went to the first, I don't know if you remember, I went to the first one and mm-hmm. fell on the first set and was just like, yeah, I'm not really feeling this. Hmm. And there wasn't a, again, I could have my times off, but like, I don't think there, I wasn't a video part guy, obviously. Right. And I was like, I'm not really into this contest stuff right now. Like I just got married. Um, I remember being at that first do tour and before I left, Michelle had broke her foot. She's a, she was a wedding photographer, just broke her foot, went and did a wedding shoot with a broken foot. I'm now at this contest. I fell. I don't even feel like riding. And I'm just like, oh, this is changing a lot of stuff. And I just didn't really feel like I was going to be someone who could live off of just traveling and doing the photo shoots because I wasn't much of a traveler either. Like, yeah. There was that group of people that did. like you know They didn't mind going places and being on the road. So I was like, you know what? If I'm not doing the contest, I'm not really going to be worth anything to, to that many people, you know? And I wasn't willing to go much further of like selling myself out. So I was just like, I saw that there wasn't much. I was going to stick around with the Eastern thing. Oh, where was Felt in there? Well, that's what I'm... Oh, geez. Felt was your last bike sponsor. Yeah. Was that just kind of like... You that had... was the I think Eastern dropped... I only did Eastern for two years, a year or something like that. I thought it was less than that. I thought maybe just a year. Yeah, I think it was just a year. And they they were like, you know, we're not really, you know, we're not going to pay people or whatever it was. And I was just like, Eastern went, they started circling the drain pretty quick. So, yeah. Yeah, then then Alan Foster got me on felt. And you had a relationship with Alan Foster because of Airwalk. Because of Airwalk from back in the day. Okay. So yeah, it was just kind of like, I mean, that's again, I just kind of would call people and see, you know, is there a place, you know, uh, you know, is there a travel budget, is there, you know, and I'll do what I can. But uh, yeah, I mean, I knew I wasn't, I don't think I was doing tops, any, you know, podiums or anything at that point. So I was just like, okay, so you saw, I saw, yeah, I, I, and I wasn't like upset with it. I was just like, yeah, move on to the next thing. What was the next thing? So I was still doing, so felt... I mean, I guess it'll be the square one. The square one as, because uh, it was a bike shop for a number of years. Was it, or no, there was like a clothing and screen printing so, deal as well. Yeah, I mean, just at, at the tail end of the riding, you know, Chris had already, Chris Bennett had already, I think his riding was still or pretty, pretty much not riding all that much. You know, he was still sponsored and stuff like that. I think he was on Demolition? Um, At that point. I can't remember what it was. Last stint was Verde, actually. Oh, that's right. Um, man, that's all. Feels like forever ago. Right. But so anyway, so yeah, so Chris and I had, you know, we were friends. We used to ride and then, you know, we talked in all the contests and stuff and he lived in Erie, so I'd see him every once in a while, but weren't great friends. You know, he lived up there. Um, but yeah, me and him had talked somewhere, I'm sure, at a bar and had this conversation of, you know, bringing square one to Pittsburgh and, and, you know, I think he was, yeah, he was still in Philly at that time. And I was like, well, I'm in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's awesome. You know, all these people are here riding, like bring it here. I'll help you bring it here and we'll try to do whatever it is we can here. And so when he brought it here, it was, you know, t-shirts, you know, we were doing t-shirts and jeans and pretty much the full square one. And then, you know, that whole industry changed and everything, you know, the BMX clothing model. kind of Yeah. Fell off, just, yeah wasn't they were all shopping at thrift stores and that whole industry just changed again too and so it was just 
we went from being that square one clothing um we like had this like last ditch effort i was like hey we found a storefront on carson street which is the main strip in pittsburgh like where all the bar scene is yeah, pretty hip area yeah um i found this like rundown shop like it was boarded up and papered up or whatever and uh, i contacted the the landlord and was like i want to put like a a church store in here and he was like what and i'm like i don't know what it's gonna be but like and we talked like as a group because this square one was like five different guys and we were like we could just sell hot dogs out of here like we could do anything like well we just want a storefront like we can make it be whatever and so the landlord was like all right it'll be this much money and i'm like well no 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 no. like we can't afford that just give it to us as is because it was an old salon it had like all these like you know faucets all down the wall and all this it was just dilapidated and but it had a big warehouse in the back of it that we could put all of our screen printing stuff in and so i was like just give it to us as is we'll fix it all up and you know whatever and so he agreed to it he signed like a three-year lease and that's when you know we put ink division and that's where into ink division got started in the middle of there it was uh you know we did all of our screen printing for square one which we kind of ran out of the front of it there was a warehouse in the back that we ended up building like these makeshift ramps just wanting to be you know somewhere to ride but they were never good right um but yeah it, it evolved into all kind of different things it was sort of evolved into a bike shop just because we had accounts with bike you know bike dealers we all rode for somebody who would give us bikes yeah you guys all had those relationships yeah and we never knew what how that actually was supposed to be ran like i didn't do margins you know because i was kind of in charge of the pricings and things like that but like it was just we just winged it we didn't know what we were doing but we would like someone would come in and buy a bike we'd take that money and buy two and you know there was a our sales guy was tim and he knew all the ren and he knew all these other people that worked at blackout and would get us an account there and he'd like you know we need to buy all these we need to get a set of wheels and i'm like you know how much a set of wheels is he's like just get one in and we would sell that one and we would get two more in and and someday it just turned into this bike shop we were just like holy cow there's a bike shop here but yeah. like no plan like no plan on how like winter would hit <laughs> and there would be like all this stuff that pretty much all the money we made all year would then just be sitting in there it was just a weird time, but yeah. that's how that evolved into. It was a learning experience. I'm oh sure. yeah, for sure. I, the one thing I always took away, I always thought it was crazy. Um, I was, I was stoked that there was a bike shop on in Southside because right. Southside such a cool area. But people usually people buying BMX bikes are usually on the suburbs, not in like the city area. Was that something that? Dude, there was um, again. There was not a plan. <laughs> I don't think I even wanted to sell anything bike park related at first and i think tim just started buying stuff okay um and it, it just would kept growing and growing and again we we just didn't i don't know what was cool at that time i'd be like no get these and he'd be like dude no people aren't buying that this was like sunday um odyssey things were neon and yeah. i'm like well i'm not gonna buy any of that stuff and he'd be like well kids will buy it and i'm like whatever and like there was no planning you could buy like but that's that, no, that's tough for for a bike shop. I mean, you could have five different color of the same grips, but you don't have purple. A kid comes in, I want purple grips. You're like, but we have five different colors of the same one. Like, like no, nope, I want purple, and they're out. Like they don't buy it. I, that's just one thing I noticed. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, that, and that ended up being the, 
the demise of that place was that it just grew to so big and then what happened with a lot of bike shops and stuff and mm. all these it just was like and i was like i don't know what i'm doing none of us know what we're doing like we're we're just buying stuff just and, it, it, yeah. and just like i mean listen to steve when he was talking to you on your podcast about verde and how they grew and grew I didn't realize that and we were in it. We were one of those people. We were just buying like they could get them. So we were just buying them, buying them. And it was just like, all, right, all of a sudden one year we have all these bikes. Mm-hmm. And now we're like, wait a minute. And we weren't doing anything on like credit or anything at that point. We were just, whatever money we had, we were just buying and buying until you end up, we were like, wait a minute, now I have no money, but I have all this stuff. All this inventory, yeah. Now everyone has a bike and they don't need a new one. And it was just, it got to the point where we had to, we shut that down. You shut that down. Where'd you go from there? So, um, man, this is getting pretty long. But like, so eventually we'll get to like real estate stuff. I, I hope so or whatever. Well, but, uh, to me, it seems like you went straight from the bike shop. That you sh- you guys shut the doors there. Is that when you went straight into nursing? Right. Okay. So, but while the bike shop was going on, I helped my cousin do a flip. Okay. And so this was the absolute worst time to do one, 07, when like the markets crashed. But me and my cousin, right up the street, he was like, hey, I'm going to do this flip. And I'm like, I don't, I, I didn't know any house stuff at that time. But I was like, yeah, I, well, I'm into whatever I think. I want to learn. So me and him did a house flip up in the south side. And it went on the market for like a year and a half, I think. No, it took us a year to do because we were just doing it on our off times but it sold. So I'm going from not having any money and you know the square ones dying down and all those industries that we had all in that one building were all just going down. So I do a house flip and I have money. So now I have this chunk of money and I'm like, all right, do we do, in my head, I don't know if it was discussed with my, the people at the time, but it was like, I'm either gonna do a real bike shop, which I know nothing about and I never planned on ever, I mean, again, now it's funny that I am 40, but I'm like, am I gonna be 40 with a bike shop? I don't, that's not really what I ever saw myself doing. Or do I go to school? And so my wife at the time, like we sat down and was just like, all right, we have the money. I can, you know, I can afford to go to school for a couple of years. You can go to school. What do you wanna do? You know, um, she was actually just got pregnant at the time. So we knew we had a baby coming. And it was just like, what's the plan now? We either, I'm gonna lose all this money I have in, into this business, which has been happening over the last couple of years, or do we just can it and start fresh? And we decided to can it. So that's when I went to nursing school. So signed up for nursing school, went to nursing school for two years, became a nurse. Uh, again, I remember talking to you at the beginning of that nursing yeah. journey, and you're like, oh yeah, you have to take this test. And if you pass the test, you get to bypass all this other crap. Am I right? Correct. And true to form, you ace the test. So UPMC at the time had a program, and I think it's still around, but it's just it's evolved. But I'm, I'm kind of bookending this thing with you being like a, a genius, basically. Yeah. No, a beautiful mind, genius. So, <laughs> sorry. So yeah, so a friend of mine's like, hey, I'm a nurse, I went to UPMC, they had this schooling, I'm sure they're still doing it, you should look into it. So I just, you know, whatever I did, made a phone call and they're like, yeah, you, we hold this test. You come past the test, you get into the program, you don't have to take all the other 
you know, bachelor type classes, if you pass the math and English and all this stuff, you just have to take the nursing classes and it's only 22 months. And if it, you stick with UPMC for the full year afterwards, you work for UPMC, it's paid for free and clear. Oh, wow. And I was like, all right, I have this chunk. Like it just, again, was this perfect scenario and perfectly planned, whatever. But it was like, I had this chunk of money that would last me 22 months. I budgeted out, I'm like, we can do this. Michelle was still working at the time. And it was just, we could do this. I'll go to school, we'll have this baby. <laughs> and we have enough money to get through this. And when I'm done, UPMC, if they're making, you know, kind of guaranteeing me that they'll pay for schooling, they might as well be, or they pretty much guarantee you a job, which it doesn't guarantee a job, they say, but if they're making you work there for a year, it's kind of like you're guaranteed a job. So I was like, this is perfect. Let's do that. And yeah, so I got in and went through that. Well, I know other people that have taken that test and you're, you're the only person I know that has passed it. So okay. Just again, going back to what I was saying before. Oh, I have one more that, since you're the one making me brag. Yeah, but dude, this is about you, man. Okay. So at that same time period, did you know about the fireman's test? The fireman's test? So nursing appealed to me because it, you worked three days a week. A fireman works, a friend of mine was a fireman, Ken, the yeah. guy who I went riding with when I was 14. He's not doing it anymore? No, he's still, he's a fireman. Okay, yeah, you so work two days a week. They work two days a week. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll still be able to ride, I'll still be able to like get into another business if I want to or whatever I wanted to do, because I'm only working two or three days a week. So I took both at the same time. So I took the fireman's test and I took the nursing test. The fireman's test, city of Pittsburgh, you take the written test and if you pass, or actually there's no passing, it's just you gather points. And then six months later you take the physical and you add those two together, that's your total score and then just wherever you land in the line, that's what they pick classes from. So I take the fireman's test and I take the nursing test and the fireman's test, I get 100 on. So 100 questions, I get 100 on. And my friend's just like, no one ever gets 100. And I'm like, well, I got 100. And he's like, well, you're in then. And I'm like, because they also give you veteran points. So if you're coming from the service, you get like an extra 10 points or five points. I don't remember what it was. But he was like, if you don't have vet points, you're pretty much not going to get in. And once I got 100, he was like, oh, you might have a chance. And I was like, all right. But so while the six months went before the physical, I got into nursing. Okay. So I passed that test and got into nursing. And I was like, all right, do I do this physical test? Do I, which one do I do? I can't be in both classes. And then, you know, talking to Michelle, which was my wife. And I was just like, well, the fireman, I can only be, live in the city of Pittsburgh. Right. What if anything ever happens? The nursing, we can take anywhere and live and wherever we wanted to yeah. go. Yeah. So I went the nursing route. Which is smart because it seems like with nursing, you can make a lot of different like side steps as well. Like you can go in a lot of different directions with that. Yeah, and that's I think the money was pretty much the same. It just that working that one less day, and I just we weighed the options and was just like, yeah, the nursing will give me way more opportunities moving forward. Whereas the fireman, not that it's not a good job, I just would be stuck here. You know, I would, yeah. I can't then go to another little city somewhere. They won't pay as good. Right. The benefit is living in Pittsburgh, staying in Pittsburgh, getting that pension. and Of course. So. Now, are you, uh, you're flipping houses. Is that your main deal right now? Or are you still doing like nursing stuff as well? So I've learned that I, I can never really do one thing. Okay. And I used to kind of put that on a lot like, oh, well, it's because I have to. It's just, I guess it's my nature. 
So I did the nursing for probably five years. I was doing, we kind of skipped over Ink Division in the middle there, but Ink Division survived the Square One shutdown. Right. So I was doing I did that. forget about that. Yeah. So Ink Division, which is still around, it's still a screen oh, they're printing, killing it. Yeah, yeah. Screen printing shop. Me, Jason, and Bert moved it out of Square One and started a whole new Ink Division screen printing shop. I was a nurse at that time. I was doing Ink Division while I was in nursing school. And once I got became a nurse, I was trying to do both. And I just couldn't keep up with Ink Division. Ink Division had grown so fast that I was working night shift at, as a nurse. I'd come in in the morning at Ink Division, try to do what I could from you know eight to 10, go home and sleep. But I would set my alarm at four so I could get up and order all the shirts they would need for the next day. And I would be missing all those phone calls and all those things in the because I was like kind of the take phone calls and take order guy. Plus, you have kids at this point. So now I have a newborn. Yeah, I have Riley at this point, and so it just really was like I was like, wait a minute, just like the DK thing. It was like another conversation me and Jason had. It was just like I think I'm holding you up here. I don't think this works anymore. There was no bad blood. It was just like a, uh, you know, it'll be better if we split. So Ink Division thrived they hired i don't know even how many employees they have now yeah it would started at three and now it's i don't know they do really well now huh yeah yeah same shop that well so we started off this shop in braddock we had the ball we had the top two floors same kind of scenario it was this rundown building we talked to the landlord got a really good deal i don't want to say how much it was but it was super cheap because it was just this rundown building well that's braddock yeah it's getting there. It's getting there, yeah. Yeah. But so we refurbished the top two floors and made it this square one, you know, or not square one, Ink Division screen printing. They then, after I left, took over the bottom floor, took over a store next door, took over a warehouse in the back. Like they just expanded like crazy. Mm-hmm. So that's still going. But yeah. Not sure where that was going with the. Well, I, I kind of breezed over at Ink Division, surviving the mm. Square One gotcha. uh, shop demise. So, um, but right now you're, you know, where we're at in your story is where we're at right now. I mean, in a house that you've completely refurbished, did all the work yourself by Googling, and uh, it's beautiful. And you're also doing some nursing stuff as well, still. Mm, is that right? That's what it was. Yeah. So it was just. So after that, I did nursing for about five years. Um, Went from you know working in in hospital two and a half years. Then I went to home care, which is like working in the home with patients, and did that for like three years. And again, it just it, for some reason it just wasn't enough. I would don't. It's a it's lighter on your body than in the hospital. You know, you're in the home. Of course. And it's a more Monday through Friday. So I'd be getting home. We'd have these early days. I'd be getting home at one or two in the day, and I'm like, all right. So what are we gonna do next? And so. Uh, the kids are getting a little bit bigger. They're toddlers, and uh, I wanted to get back in the house flipping. I'd done this one with my cousin in '07. I think it sold in '09 by the time the market allowed it. And then uh, I just was like, I think this is going to work. I'm like reading all this stuff. I'm listening. I'm, I guess at this time there wasn't podcasts, but it was like these blogs and websites. And I'm just trying to learn as much as I could about getting back into it. Pittsburgh's now picking back up, and I. Uh, we figured out the way that like, I wanted to get rid of my, the house I'd lived in after I sold you my house. We'd been there 15 years. I'd learned on that house. And I think if you look on the internet, there's a picture of me building a deck and wearing a Verde shirt. That's 
the first house I had and I just was like building a deck, put in a bathroom, you know, redo the floors. And I'm like, this stuff isn't hard. You just have to kind of learn. I remember texting Miranda at points, mm. Robbie Miranda, like, have you put windows in? Cause I think he was doing windows and like anywhere I can get the information, you know, I'd be like, how do you do this? Where do you get this stuff from? How do you, and I just, as I was going, I was just learning on the way uh, as I go. So we decided to rent that house out and buy a new house. And I was like, I'll just buy this. Let's try to find another beat up house. We'll fix it up. It'll be like a pretend flip and see if it works. Cause I feel like it's really easy right now. Like mm -hmm. this, you know, so we found a foreclosure um, and it, it, it did exactly what it was supposed to. It took us about a year to get it because it was like all this red tape on trying to keep my house. Um, I was the only income at that time. And so it was just this working with the banks. Well, how do I get this done? And they were like, well, you can't have this. And I'm like, all right, give me three months. I would go pay something off. Or, you know, at one point I had to sell a car that I leased. I just, you know, paid off the whole lease just to give it back. Yeah, just like, to, to like get your credit up a little bit? Not or? the credit, like because I wanted to keep both houses, my debt to income ratio was off. Okay. They're like, well, cause you have this car payment. I'm like, all right, well, what if I just get rid of the car? And they're like, all right. So I just paid off the lease and turned it in early and like come back in two months. I'd be like, all right, the car's gone. Now what do I look like? And they'd be like, all right, I think we'll do it. And so this whole time I'm stringing this house along that I just knew was perfect. And I, this is the time I actually reconnected with Chris Bennett. You know, I, I I'd be calling him like, hey, it's a foreclosure. What do I do? How do I do this? Like, they're saying this because at this point, he's now doing this stuff full time. Yeah. Um, I'm not that eager of jumping into anything full time because I know it's still kind of a risky business. So I'm still nursing and I'm like, I get this house done. It takes me and my brother like in a, a month and a half, you know, and we're like, wow, got the house all nice. We, me and Michelle move in with the kids. And I'm like, that was pretty easy. <laughs> Again, I guess to me, it seems easy. Like, I'm like, that really worked. And, you know, it doubled in value. The next year, all the houses around us started selling. And I'm like, this is crazy. This totally worked. And it led into what I'm doing now. So now I kind of teeter what you asked about. I still nurse, but I still, you know, when I find houses that are good deals, I pick them up. I work on them as much as I can. I learned really quickly when I went full-time real estate, because I tried that for a year that I just don't have the body I thought I had in my 20s. <laughs> and you made a comment today about it. Um, I'm sorry about that. No, that's all right. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I just was like, when I bought the house we're standing in now, it was a full gut rehab. And I was like, well, I'll just quit nursing for a year and do this gut rehab. I'll work eight to 10 hours a day because that's what I've been used to doing as a nurse. And it's a lot different carrying drywall for even two hours. Oh, I'm sure. I'd be sitting here at noon going, I'm done, but I'm supposed to be working for another eight hours. And so I quickly went back to nursing. Like um, my the job I had took me back casual or part-time mm -hmm. and allowed me to kind of just work when I want to, which is nice of them. Yeah. And uh, I do the housing stuff. So that's I mean, I People always ask me and I'm like, there's not a real mix. And again, there's not that much of a plan. It's more of just when I feel like doing one, I do one. When I feel like doing the other, I do the other. It sounds pretty good though. Like it seems like you, it's nice to have that type of freedom. It so, is. Um, 
I mean, hundred percent, you know, the, that's why I chose it is because of the freedom. You know, mm. I didn't really like having to do the same thing every day. And that's what I loved about nursing. And that's why I still do it. It's never the same. Right. Um, but the housing is, is, it's like the BMX days, you know, I can get a big check every once in a while. Um, I have a couple rentals, which is just like the checks that used to come in. It's like in a top five, top three. Yeah. Nice. It's like I have a little sponsorship and I get a, a finish every once in a while. Yeah. Um, well, it's time to bum everybody out. How often do you ride now? <laughs> <laughs> Again, it depends on, I mean, BMX, you, I mean, I'm sure you know very little. Uh, this winter, I jumped up a little bit. We had some Tuesday nights. Yeah. Um, my crew's a lot smaller these days, you know, so I don't, I don't get that many invites, which I'm not going to put that out there. But um, as far as, you know, it just doesn't fit in the schedule. Um, I'm riding mountain bikes a lot more, which I'm trying to do. Um, road biking, I did a little stint in trying to road bike. It's just, you know, when, when you have like an hour, like I'm working a little bit here. I mean, and I, I know you know how it is with the kid and another one coming on the way. I'll get a... 5 30 to 7 at night and like it's really hard when you know that at 5 p.m it's like well, where's everyone at well you can't you know find anyone it's like well i'll just go ride south park or ride somewhere that's exactly where i'm at right now and uh like yeah i'll get like 30 minutes or an hour i'm like oh sweet and boyce is two miles from my house i'm like oh i'll just go there because you know the daylight's fading i don't call anybody whoever's there is there Right. And then, yeah, like people give you shit like, dude, call me, man. Do let me. I'm like, it, it's not it like that anymore. Work. Yeah. I got bummed out at the beginning, like you know, years ago. Like I would be like texting people or like, we're going to go here. Well, oh, we're already out here. And I'm like, you know what? But now I like to just completely get it. It's just so hard in yeah. these years of our lives that it's just to try to coordinate people. Yeah. We become adults. Yeah. And so I ride when I can. Still pretty good. I, uh, I, did I, was it the last time we were I was like, hey, do a bar spin. You're like, really? A bar spin? And you're like, Beep. It's like, no problem. Well, I'm never not going to be able to do that. So that's I, what, like, I will, I will, so I'll go ride it. So if I go ride once and I can't do stuff, I will ride, like, pretty consistently until I get that stuff back. And then I just get, uh, all right. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, that, those types of things I still need to be able to do. Okay. Which, um, I think that's a good end point. I appreciate you taking the time to tell your story. No and, problem. Uh, yeah, I look forward to people hearing it. Okay. Thanks again.